On today's Stuncast, we review Wolf in the Fold. Kirk, Bones, and Scotty are in a cafe on the hedonistic planet of Argelius II, watching a belly dancer to help Montgomery recover from a recent head injury. Scott takes the Bonnie Lass for a walk in the fog, only to be found moments later holding a bloody knife over her corpse. As Kirk, Bones, a Rigelian ambassador, and the prefect Jarrus investigate, women in close proximity to Scotty keep getting stabbed. Hmm, suspicious. Will spooky mumbo-jumbo solve this case? Or will science? Is Montgomery Scott a killer without knowing it? Or is it something super crazy way out from left field? Find out on set podcast to stun! Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Glint the Q, joined by Chancellor Emily Gowron, and Captain Corey. Hey, guys. Uh, Hey, Clint. Um, Can you come into the adjoining room with me real quick? I just wanted to talk to you. Sure, sure. Yeah, let's just, let's go over there. Emily, you just stay in here, okay? Yes. Okay. Well, boy, she sounds bummed. <laughs> Probably follow up on that later. <laughs> hey, uh, I was just thinking, you know how Emily's sort of different from you and me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've just been, she's, I think she might be a little bit of a liability, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've and, been thinking uh, that too. Also, I think that, I don't know, like she might be in danger. Like, I feel like we shouldn't have even left her in that other room. That was kind of stupid on our part. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Let's. Do you think we should check on her? Yeah, let's just go ahead and poke her head back in. Okay. Ah! Are... Am I dead now? Oh God, Emily, she's dead. Oh. <laughs> oh God. Oh, thank God! I don't have to talk about this horrible episode. Even blood wine couldn't make it better. I'm a ghost now, by the way. From now on, canonically, I'm a Klingon ghost. Oh no. Emily's dead. Wait. Ah, I can go anywhere. I can be anywhere. I can poop up, pop up, and scare you in your pooping glint. <laughs> I can't. The good thing is I can't hear anything from Emily anymore. So, yeah. No. We've just been kind of here staring at each other. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess we I'll should break just... all the glasses. Ah. Uh, you know, actually, I think this might not be a bad thing. <laughs> All right. Revenge. Believe it, not, believe it or not, this has everything to do with this episode. <laughs> we basically actually just invented a better episode. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, let's let's launch into it. Um, Emily, I think we should start this episode also with a question. What's in the fold? What's in the fold? <laughs> Wait, what? I don't know either, Emily. What's in the fold? What's in the fold? I'll tell you what's in the fold. It's a wolf. So the episode we're reviewing today is Wolf in the Fold. I It's a uh, nice little murder mystery we got this week. Uh, it was, don't use words like nice. It's an amazing, very well put together murder mystery. Um, it was first aired... December 22nd of 1967. It was written by Robert Blork, and um, it was directed by our good friend, Joseph Pepney. I don't think old Robert has written an episode before, has he? I it's. I think he... I don't know. Um, I feel you like know, I haven't... Oh, we have seen... Yes. Okay. He's written quite a bit of things, oh, but you know God. what else he wrote? What? He wrote Psycho. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he wrote the oh, Psycho yeah. novel. He also, that. yes, and he's also written What Little Girls Are Made Of and Cat's, uh, Cat's Paw. Um, so amazing. Some of those record. are good episodes. These are my favorite episodes. And man, this episode 
is a ride. So let's buckle. Oh, wait. We Can don't I buckle. just say one more thing about Robert Block? Yeah. He really liked Jack the Ripper. Like, he was a writer, like, back in the day when you could make a living just writing crap short stories for pulp paperbacks all the time. Um, and he, like, wrote tons of stories about Jack the Ripper. Oh, mm-hmm. Also, he was a friend of um, H.B. Lovecraft. I don't know if a friend, they've kind of, like, corresponded. and He knew of. Yeah, yeah he knew him and enjoyed the, the uh, Cthulhu mythos so i too enjoy the cthulhu mythos but hp lovecraft was racist as hell like intensely and like once you learn that you're like huh and then you think back to the cthulhu stories and you're like oh he's like an agoraphobe he's just an awful person hp lovecraft but yeah uh, cthulhu is a lot of fun so hp lovecraft i feel like is like the number one example of don't meet and or wikipedia your heroes what i'm most curious about is robert's relationship with his mother mm-hmm. <laughs> okay yeah. but let's let's uh let's dive in huh all right so yeah i was gonna say let's buckle our seats but remember this is star trek and we don't have seatbelts. grasp the railings yeah you're in for one yeah oh, okay gosh. you guys ready let's do it all right, so this episode starts on planet Argilius 2. It's a pleasure planet. It's a and hedonistic it, planet. Yes. It's a forerunner of Rigel 7. Think of any nasty fantasy you have. It's nastier than that. You can do whatever the fuck you want on this sex planet. So the episode it's, starts... It's way dirtier. I know a place <laughs> where the girls... Well, never mind. Okay, so the episode starts with some sassy belly dancing. Mm, uh, it's really how exotic. exotic. <laughs> it's oh really God. exotic with like Arabian reeds and people with like little hand symbols thing. And, it's uh, just like the belly dancer for like seven minutes. Like there's yeah. no dialogue. You don't see the main characters for like a really long time. It's very weird. She had to uh, wear like a jewel in her navel because in the '60s it was scandalous to show navels on television. So they put a little little flower jewel in there. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. You're you're always telling us navel facts or yeah, navel facts like mm-hmm. about belly buttons and stuff on this show. Well, let's not get into the psychology of that. Let's just continue <laughs> on. Scotty, Kirk, and Bones are relaxing in the audience, enjoying the show. Apparently, mm-hmm. these three got to go enjoy the the hedonism planet, but everyone else has to go up on the ship and be well, working hard. Well, it's only because uh, they have to help Scotty recover from a recent head in- injury. I'm sorry. Yeah. They have to help him recover from a recent head injury. So he was he was blown into uh, the wall for by some explosion and of course it was the fault of a woman yes the woman caused an explosion yeah a woman caused it and they're like oh no he uh he is gonna be so resentful towards women we gotta help him get over it by seeing them as sex objects so mccoy tells kirk that scotty now has a deep-seated resentment against women that he needs to work out Hopefully, by going on a positive date experience with a woman. Yep, no, he, that's how this episode starts. <laughs> they're just nipping it in the bud. McCoy is worried that he might develop, you know, a resentment of women. So we're just going to go ahead and take care of that. Okay. Yeah. Oh my so God. Scotty has eyes for this belly dancer. Um, there are, as you said, a very, it's a very long shot of the belly dancer. There are shots of her belly jiggling, like a close-up, and then we get an instant shot over to Scotty's grinning face and back to the belly dancer, back to Scotty, grin, grinning even wider. Rinse He's and like repeat. the cartoon wolf in mm-hmm. uh, Looney Tunes, if anyone is as old as we are. <laughs> that is actually the closest any real human has ever gotten to that, well, other than mm-hmm. um, the mask... Uh, much like a cartoon wolf what does scotty do when the show stops he does the he he taps he wraps the table right slaps the table like a baboon Uh yeah (laughs) it's weird and kirk's like don't do it kirk's like just flicker the lights on the table there's like little like a little lamp there that's how you show appreciation on this planet but scotty doesn't give a fuck he just keeps (laughs) slapping the table 
I'm an Irish. Oh, you don't have to tell an old, like, drunk of Aberdeen how to behave. And he's like, dude, I did though. Oh my god, Emily, (laughs) you got so much louder right there. I don't know. You can, the rage that Emily hates that we can already tell that Emily hates this episode so much. And she's just like, going to eat her microphone in rage. I actually stopped taking notes pretty early on because I was like, this is just too bad. It's too crappy. I can't, I can't even, I could not even. Um, There was a fun note about the belly dancer where at first they took her into makeup and they put all these like crazy feathers like in her eyebrows and eyelashes and all over her face. And over four days, the director didn't like it. And he kept telling him to pare it down and pare it down until she wasn't wearing any feathers or anything. And he's like, finally, this is what I wanted. I want to be able to see (laughs) her face. But it was just funny. It took him four days to like whittle it down. Hey, Clint, can I ask you a question? Sure. How much research did you do on this belly dancer? Are all of your fun facts and trivia related to belly dancers? Uh, yes. It's the only interesting part about Star Trek is the various belly dancers through it. I was just going to say, Clint, you know, I feel like out there somewhere is just like an endless YouTube list of <laughs> belly dancers. And you could have watched that instead and saved Corey and I the psychic damage of watching this episode. It's all about the context. It's You got to watch it in a sci-fi context. That's where really belly dancing comes alive Um, anyway (laughs) so uh the belly dancer after the show goes over to scotty and the two of them flirt a little bit and then they go arm in arm off into the evening kirk and mccoy are just chatting and then they decide they're going to go out in the night and have a good time uh as well they know exactly where they're going too because kirk's like oh i know this I know this other joint across town and McCoy's on it. He's like, oh yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Let's go. Let's go right now. The women are just, oh, never mind. Yeah, it's like a bunch of frat boys. As Super soon as weird. they head outside the club, it's all foggy, like a London night. <laughs> they hear a scream. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Did you miss the part where Scotty was like, I got to take this chick out into the fog because... Dames love it when you use fog to try and seduce them. I was like, excuse me. Did what? he say no. that? No. Yeah, yeah. He was all like, can you imagine browsing around on a hot, foggy night lady? And she's like, ooh, tell me about it. Now, don't disrespect her. She's a body lass. A oh. body lass? Yeah, that's I what... know, he said. He said Bonnie lass, right? Oh, Bonnie. Is it Bonnie? Yeah, I think it's Bonnie, Bonnie is like pretty. Body is like drunken carousing mm, yeah no bonnie because it's like an irish or not irish it's a scottish term wow yeah. so he's gonna get you they hear a scream and they <laughs> run into the fog and they find the belly dancer dead with a dozen she's knife wounds in her back she's dead jim and there's a paralyzed scotty good standing. thing mccoy was there yeah he called it scotty standing nearby all pa- paralyzed and then we get our opening credits Dun dun dun. All right. Then we get a captain's log to kick off the episode. <laughs> captain's Scott- log. What the fuck, Scotty? <laughs> we find out Scotty has been accused of a brutal murder while on therapeutic shore leave. Uh, we have our three heroes down on the planet, and we are introduced to the planet's chief administrator, Mr. Hingis. Mr. Whiny. Uh, well, okay. sir, that's not protocol. Yeah. He's, um, I don't know. You guys want to talk about him? He's like a friendly enough guy, but he's kind of a dork. He's a nerd. I hated him instantly. Yeah, you know. You know he's not. A, and he's not from the Pleasure Planet originally. Because everyone's so congenial there that they don't even have bureaucracies. I had to come from somewhere else. Not only is he, is he the administer, or is not only is he the administrator, but he's also racist against the people of this planet. He says some kind of disparaging things about the about how disorganized they are. Um, did you notice too? Uh, he has the knife in his hand, and he's yeah. just like manhandling that knife. He's really just like going at it, just like get a room, you two. There were no other fingerprints on it. Ooh. Except for mine. It's you a clean knife, you. 
It's a very confusing detail, and I almost went back and deleted everything I wrote about Mr. Hingis because he didn't seem to uh, contribute much to the episode. Because it's like, okay, this planet has aliens, and then these aliens hire out someone else from another planet to do their bureaucracy. Like, what? I don't, I don't give a shit about this. But it's oh, uh, no. As soon as important. he showed up and was a nerd, I was like, oh, he's the guilty guy. <laughs> Did we say that he's from Rigel 4? Did we say that already? Yeah, no, yeah, he's, he's from, from another 4. one. Those Rigelian Forians really know how to administer. So administer they interview what though? So they interview Scotty. He doesn't remember anything. Um, he doesn't recognize the murder weapon, which is like a curved knife. And yeah, Kirk is You know, I just I gotta pause and say that they're like just like Jack the Ripper. And I'm like, Jack the Ripper did not stab someone 12 times he like performed surgery and like took out their uterus this was not what was happening i was really peeved the whole way through that they were not being historically accurate to Jack. oh that's so you're upset that he didn't remove her uterus is what you're saying i'm just like if you want it to be a murderer it can just be a murderer but if it's going to be like a weird jack the ripper thing you should at least be you know faithful to your source material like that's why jack the ripper is a big deal is because it was like really weird and creepy Super duper got a feeling that the 1960s censors weren't going to let rip the uterus <laughs> out with a knife on their show. <laughs> and they were all prostitutes. He killed sex workers. None of these victims were sex workers. Well, I don't know. I mean, she was a belly dancer. I guess that's sex work light. I don't know. So Kirk is concerned about what's going to happen to Scotty because it looks like he done a murder. And he asks, what's the law on this planet? What's going to happen to him? And suddenly, from the shadows... He's like, you know what? Murder's okay, so you're good to go. End of episode. Nope, nope, that's not what happens, Emily. Suddenly, from the shadows, a man steps out and says... The law is love. And you're like, who the fuck is this guy? I forgot about this. I laughed so hard when he, it was such a weird non sequitur because it's like, (laughs) what are we going to do about this murder? And the guy is like, the law is love. And then everybody just left and they're like, uh. I laughed super hard at that too. It was hilarious and weird. Okay, so this is the planet's prefects. This is our second character we've been introduced to, uh, Yaris. He, uh, we also meet his wife, Sibo. So that's three people you got to keep mm-hmm. in your brain. And Sibo. I love Yaris. He has such strong magician energy. It's oh, so yeah. <laughs> Yes. I said magician. He's got a pointy beard. I said wizard. He's got a pointy beard. And then he's kind of like bald, but he's still got like the pointy hairs on either side of his mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I love this guy. Yeah. This is my favorite character ever now. He's a real I'm going to get a tattoo of Jaris on my Do lower not. back. Do not make promises to me. Delightful, wondrous promises that you do not intend to keep, Clint. I'm just going to use them to lure you into my stabbing trap. Uh, You know what? If I get stabbed because you're like, hey, I got a tattoo of that Star Trek wizard on my back. Do you want to see it? And then I walk in and you're just like, yeah, stab me with something. I'd be like, it was worth it. As long as the tattoo was really there. All right. I'll... I will make good on that. If I stab you because of that, I will get the tattoo. I think it's got to be on your bicep, though. Not on the back. It's got to be... Not your bicep. What's the upper arm? Up there. Yeah, that's that's your bicep. That's the bicep. Put it on your penumbra. Are you two done? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. We're just so riled up from this episode. Yeah, you guys need to take it down a notch. Okay? Are you guys ready? Yeah, let's do it. Can't stop talking about things that definitely happen in this episode. Okay, so Yaris, our wizard guy, he's the prefect, so I guess he's like the president of this planet. I, but he, um, he's going to be. Maybe you guys agree with me on this. He's going to be the red herring for this episode because just mm-hmm. the way he presents himself, he seems really duplicitous. Like he's like, "Oh, I don't think Scotty did this. I think he's innocent. We got to get to the bottom of this." He's like overly kind and gracious, and we just feel like he's going to be the episode's antagonist. Mm-hmm. Did you guys get that sense from him as well? A little bit, yeah. I didn't understand exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't really understand what if he was supposed to be like a friend of the enterprise or if we were supposed to be 
suspicious of him. I think we're supposed to be suspicious of him because he's like, later he's like, oh, Kirk, it would be so terrible if we didn't solve this murder because then you wouldn't be able to send starships to our planet anymore. Like he has some secret plan to make a murder so that people don't come to his planet anymore. Mm -hmm. None of that's the case. Like he, he's like, he's on the level. He's too cool. He's just too chill and cool. He's super chill. He's super cool. And it's just, it's suspicious being that cool up front, you know? I mean, man, that's what's wrong with the universe today. People need to learn to trust each other. There's nothing special about this community. You can make that in your own backyard. As long as the law is love. Be the change, man. <laughs> Hingis really wants to solve this case on his own using planet's resources. But Kirk mm. uh, asks Yaris, our wizard, for permission to bring a crew down, a crew member down and with a psycho tricorder so that they can scan scotty never heard of this piece of equipment before <laughs> a psycho tricorder that's the last note that i took except for the other two good things that happened in this episode and one that i just put a bunch of question marks after the psycho tricorder what the what <laughs> can't wait to get to the other ones would love some of that positive energy i heard a couple seconds ago uh yep. so lieutenant tracy from the enterprise very futuristic name beams down with her special psycho tricorder and mm-hmm. goes with Scotty into another room so that she can take readings of his brain. Mm-hmm. Just leave him alone with her. Not- right. He's not. So he is, he's been accused of a horrific murder and he's not like, there's no guards. There's no keys. They're just like, hang out until we figure out what's going on. He's like, all right, I have super amnesia. I'm, fucked up guys and they're like don't worry about it uh at the same time yaris is like also i want my wife sibo to because she's an empath i want her to read scotty's brain to see if he committed the murder because remember he doesn't remember what happened he blacked out so sibo later on is going to have a seance with him to figure out what happened and somehow spock finds out about it and he's like i'm highly skeptical I like to, he's like, we should just beam Scotty up and do the thing ourselves. And I was hoping he'd say and get the fuck out of here, yeah. but he was more. It, and then Kirk is the one who says, no, we got to respect the local laws and customs and we have to do this diplomatically. It's usually like yeah, a flip this, from this how these two are. The plot is that there's actually a Freaky Friday moment going on where they've mm-hmm. switched bodies. <laughs> this has happened a couple times in other, like in TNG episodes, where someone on the crew messes up on a planet and then they are at the whims of the local government. Um, and it's it's like never an option to just beam them out and get out of there. They're like, no, we got to respect their laws. But dude, if I was a captain, Fuck, I would totally just beam my dude out of there and get the hell out of Dodge. That's but it's never like an option. But there's so many other times where they're like, well, but there's so many other times where they don't pay any attention to laws and they don't give a shit about anything and they yeah. just do whatever they want. And so I think the rule is like if there's more than four people on the away team and they're evolved in it and it's called an away team, then you can do whatever you want. But if it's less than four or it's like vacation, then you have to obey the laws. Well, in that one episode of TNG where Wesley is on like the sex planet with like the really hot people and they're taking shore leave and he accidentally like runs into a garden he's not supposed to and he's going to be executed for it. Yeah. Yeah. There was a good Kirk, uh, not Kirk, uh, Picard was doing a good like back and forth. He's like, man. If it comes to it, I might just have to beam him back up and like get the fuck out of here. So, um, and there is another TNG episode which is a probably heavily inspired by this one, and I want to talk about that at the end, the one with Riker. Um, but I hardly so, knew her. <laughs> so uh, Tracy and Scotty are in the other room when suddenly we hear another scream. Everyone races into the room. <laughs> And she's dead, Jim. She's, she's dead. Yes, she's been. He says stabbed it both times. both times. It's great. She's dead, Jim. <laughs> he like runs into the room out of breath while everyone else was already there. Um, so <laughs> now Scotty has murdered two women. I would allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> he was holding a knife and was like, 
Oh, what? I blacked out again. Where is she? Ah. Yeah. He is horrified to discover that the lieutenant is dead when he comes to. And he says, one moment she's taking his readings. The next moment he's just waking up in this room surrounded by everybody. Um, okay. Then here's another fun red herring that comes up. I don't. But another red herring pops up in this episode. Um, Mr. Hingis, our detective on the planet, brings some other people into the room. One is the belly dancer's dad, and another is her fiance. <laughs> yeah, then there's like, what? Who are all these? Well, first of all, he just brings in these two rando guys, and he's like, hey, these guys were also at the bar last night, and I know that your friend is a murder victim, but we could question them all together. That seems legit. And then through the course of questioning, they have zero reaction to anything. They're like, you were at the bar last night, weren't you? And they're like, yeah, I guess I was. And they're like, how do we know that you didn't kill her? Because I'm her father. Because I'm her fiance. And I'm like, you have no reaction to her being dead. And like, why am I being called to the scene of another murder? It is hilarious. They're very chill about it. You know, Uh like the father doesn't seem very upset. He's a very even tone. I just think the actor wasn't very good, but he was he's I, like not concerned about it. Um, I feel like the dad was more upset anytime the fiance was like, we loved each other. He's like, she doesn't love you. But then when they're like, she's dead, he's just like, eh. <laughs> I am not one to uh, make fun of or tease someone on their physical characteristics. However, the fiance had a very bulldog face. Like he didn't really have a nose it was like as squashed up against your face as it could possibly be and i was so mm-hmm. focused on that whenever he was mm-hmm. in the scene i do you Con- guys remember the the quote though from the father when he was first introduced and like what was your relationship to the victim and he oh no said, he said well, i played music for her since she was a little kid and they're yeah like, no well, maybe you killed her <laughs> since she was a little girl she danced for me uh <laughs> she's my daughter and it's like, it's such a weird, like, why don't you lead you with the what? fact that, why don't you lead with the fact that she's your daughter, not that she danced for you yeah, since she was a little like, girl. They had to like yeah, pry that out of him. a different way to say that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. So now they're so going to have, crazy. Tracy is dead. So now Sibo, the, the empath, is going to read Scotty's mind. I'm sorry, can we just back up for one second? Because yeah. there is a fun little moment in there, too. So, also, we find out that the boyfriend was jealous of the his fiance. Like, he was jealous of other men, her, her interactions with other men. <laughs> on this planet, being jealous... You're getting jealous, all kinds of tattoos on this yeah. episode. <laughs> on this planet, being jealous is a taboo. So you're not supposed to be because they're a free wheeling, you know, free love society. Love. Yeah, love is the law, and you can't. And the only, well, and the only law is you can't be jealous. I thought the only law is love. Um, mm-hmm. No, I thought it was unclear if he was jealous because, like, oh, I'm a jealous boyfriend. You're getting attention from other men, mm-hmm. or if he was like. I wanted to be the center of attention. Like <laughs> I wish I could belly dance like that. <laughs> yeah, like they never clarify it. And he just keeps saying, like, I was jealous of the attention she got. And then he'd leave. And I was like, no what yeah, way. Because she was a belly dancer. She'd got a lot of attention from men. And that made him insecure and and angry at her. And yeah, I like, I think. Cool. I like my perception a little bit better where he's like, God damn it. Nobody ever pays that much attention to me when I belly dance. <laughs> been trying to break through for years. Okay. See, so- now I know that you think Clint and I are being stupid, but this is just a, like how coherent or not this episode was. So now they are going to start Sibo's seance. And the way they do that is they turn off all the lights in the room. Everyone sits around a table holding hands. We have the belly dancer's dad, the belly dancer's fiance, Scotty, Kirk, McCoy, uh, Yaris, and Hingis. Everyone's there. They're all holding hands. So all the suspects, the the friends of some of the suspects, and the investigators. I Uh, see no conflict of interest here. 
But also, you know, just to be sure, we're going to have Scotty, the suspected uh, woman slayer, right next to the only woman in the room holding hands mm-hmm. with her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Sibo starts her reading, and she's, like, talking in a ghostly voice, and she progressively gets more dramatic. What kind of things is she saying? She's saying, like, there's hunger here, hatred towards women. Uh, yeah, a deep hunger. It keeps going. A hunger that will never die. And then she goes like, she starts like screaming and she's like, uh, what? Braddis, Kelsa, Rejack. She starts speaking some gibberish that we don't understand. And then the scene climaxes (laughs) in her screaming. And then lights go out and the lights go back on and someone has put a knife in her back. So now Scotty's even more guilty. Well, and he's like standing <laughs> behind her, like almost like holding her up when yeah. the lights are on, and then she like falls from his his grip or something. Yup. Okay. So and there's a knife. With the empath dead, Kirk's like, "Hey, we have a truth machine on the Enterprise. <laughs> Can we just beam everyone up and like continue the investigation up there?" Mister Hingis doesn't like this at all. He wants the investigation to stay on the planet. But no one listens to him. So everyone goes up to the conference room on the Enterprise. They switch on the truth computer. And Scotty sits down, gives his account. The computer's like, yeah, he's telling the truth. Um, And then the only thing that gets added to this is Scotty says that during the seance, the reason he was standing behind the empath was he felt a dark presence behind her. Because he wanted to help her, but there was something blocking his way. This inquiry scene with the truth machine is um it's like over 10 minutes long i I believe uh fun fact this is the longest continuous scene taking place in one location in the entire show and it's boring feels like it for sure the (laughs) thing that sucks about it is the truth machine computer has a super robotic voice and i had a hard time understanding what it was saying because it wasn't enunciating statement is accurate yeah it was um it was it was hard because it was it was talking a lot the what you uh, don't like nurse chapel's robot voice processing the everyone goes up like the belly dancer's fiance gets up he says i didn't kill anyone truth the father gets up. Truth. He's not the culprit. Okay. That lasts about six minutes. Those two sentences I just said. Oh then, then the episode becomes just so stupid. Off the rails. <laughs> Holy also, they shit. do this thing where they're like, Scotty, what happened? And he's like, I don't remember. And the machine's like, that's true. And they're like, did you kill them? And he's like, no. And I was, the machine's like, that's true. And I'm like, all the machine could measure is if he if he doesn't remember, he could have killed them. He just believes he didn't. So it's just measuring. It's just so stupid. It was like, ah, this is like a logical riddle that Kirk would throw at someone to make a machine explode. I just like... I uh, like the idea that because they said like, oh, we fed all this data into the machine. So it also knows all this stuff. But I like to think that like the the computer actually knows the answer and who's the killer. But you can't you have to like ask the right question. <laughs> this yeah. is like the um, talked about this before. It's like the mirror mirror episode. We have the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I just like it, too, where you're like, computer, like, can this random thing happen or whatever? Or like this impossible thing happen? Or how would this impossible thing work? It's like, it works like this. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, computer, who who killed the person? You have exactly. to ask the right questions. Exactly. exactly. Like, you can only ask yes or no questions. Okay. So let's, everything that's happened before this is like a goddamn dissertation compared to <laughs> the next thing that happens. Okay. So Kirk is like, hey, this isn't going anywhere. But Sibo was speaking gibberish before she died. She said a word, Rayjack. What does that mean? Spock puts the word into the linguistic banks, and it doesn't mean anything in any language. He expands the query to like historical words, and we and find... like proper nouns, I think too. Yeah, yeah. 
and we find out that Ray Jack was a nickname for a historic figure in the 19th century. That person was Red Jack or Jack the Ripper. Uh, <laughs> this is great. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. It's so out of left field. It was so great. It was it's <laughs> so, and I would like to point out that the computer is silent. So throughout this plot, the computer's just like illogical, bad, wrong, it eh, explodes. so we have the killer and spock is like holy shit this all checks out he was a serial killer uh airtight airtight this almost makes too much sense they they ask the computer a series of questions and and they're like could this could a, a a life form exist that feeds only on fear yes Okay, could this life form uh, be able to form into a corporeal being? Yes. And they were just like, okay, cool. So this is this is what happened. And I want to say, I like how this is like such a mind fuck for them because they're like, how can a being be like incorporeal, but also maybe corporeal? And I'm like, you guys just fought a blood sucking cloud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like last week you again met a blood-sucking cloud and you've killed a god with a rock and you're like well could this thing be corporeal and kill people or and or what yeah 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 and no, i know they like not. i know they like of course they film these out of order so you can't really like build on like past episode knowledge like that but i just thought it was funny that there's like whoa my mind is blown i'm like how so the the monster's profile is that it feeds on strong emotions, specifically fear for sustenance. And Spock says the the most problematic line in the episode, this all checks out. And it preys on women because women are more easily and deeper terrified than men. Super cool. Super uh, cool. I think other, I'm not going to say uh, evidence but like suppositions that support their theory is um they like trace all these murders from like earth to um this planet which is Argelis 2 and their uh spock is like he says oh my god it's all in a straight line so it has to be all connected and i just <laughs> i just love in star trek where any like space faring entity always they always travel in straight lines like yeah, the like some sort of not rockets yep yeah or yeah, like but... yeah oh it's a star shaped entity oh look it's made a star around the galaxy we're the next point you're just like what the or nomad that just went straight to like no space faring entity ever is like oh let's take a slight turn over here oh this mm-hmm. planet's closer i'm gonna turn <laughs> no i just go in a straight line then we find out that the planet right before this one, if you go on a straight line from Earth to here, was Rigel. And <gasps> a year ago, there was a serial killer at work on Rigel. What? Which is where Mr. Hingus is from. Hingus. He has been unaccounted for every time there was a murder. The computer verifies that the knife used in the murders was from Rigel, so Hingus tries to escape. But what does Kirk do? He goes, not on my watch. I'm Kirk. Doesn't he punch him or something? I forget. Guys, holy, I'm so surprised in you guys. G- Kirk punches him once and kills him. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> no, he I told you. I stopped taking notes. It was too bad. I forgot. He he punches him. You're right. And then he. Uh, He's bones pronounced goes, dead. He's he dead, Jim. Dead. Yes. He just, it's because the, the entity evacuated his body. Um, but uh, what I see, the reason I didn't, <laughs> the reason I didn't clock that is because I was so distracted, nice. um, by the stunt performer because oh, it's so obviously a yeah. stunt performer <laughs> and he has this <laughs> weird flesh colored helmet. <laughs> yeah. <It's a> really <laughs> weird bald cap idea. Super so weird. Oh, guys, I really neglected to mention something when we started talking about Mr. Hingus. Yeah. 
Uh, he looks Clint, like Ron might, Howard. He looks like Ron and Clint Howard. And he has a famous voice. Clint, you probably know this because oh. you read the IMDb. But, or maybe you're just on bellydancers.com. Yeah. But Emily, <laughs> does does Hingus's voice remind you of any famous fictional cartoon character? He did, but uh, he reminded me of... Um... Like the creepy, like ooh, in the Looney Tunes. Like, no, it was not Mel Blanc. It was he did the voice of Piglet throughout his career. Piglet. Oh, Piglet. interesting. Oh, like from Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like from Winnie the Pooh. Emily, I can. <laughs> Where the fuck else would Piglet be? <laughs> no, no, Piglet is just a generic word that means baby pig. You just said Piglet. And I was like, Piglet Jones, or what? Is there more what? coming here? <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, sorry, my mind doesn't automatically go to Winnie the Pooh. Piglet. <laughs> Piglet Jones. <laughs> Expert <Bernie> Mary. <laughs> You're like Piglet. I'm like, <laughs> there's only one Piglet in all of pop culture, Emily. Hey, Clint, come. On. Let's leave this room real quick. Just you and me. Huh? <laughs> okay. Hey. You know what? I'm fine being murdered. I welcome death. Hey, Corey. Yeah. Emily's really dragging down this podcast. I think we need to offer. Please kill me. Oh, no, wait. Exactly I, want to die. I welcome death. She won't suspect anything. Hurry up. <laughs> All right. We'll just wait till after the podcast. Down our back pocket. Yeah. Okay. So, Hingus no. is... <laughs> Dead, the entity escapes from his body and goes inside of the Enterprise's computer because, of mm -hmm. course, it does. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, the ship fills with this evil laughter, and the <laughs> entity known as Rayjack has taken over the ship. On the viewfinder, we see that Enterprise is like in hell, but it's like a <laughs> clown hell, sort of. It's like colorful. It's like flames. A, a gaseous hell again. Yeah. Um, they describe this in a book. In an adaptation, the view screen was a riot of changing colors. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah. Figures began to emerge from them. Oh, this is different. Serpents riot through pentagons. Oh, this ah. is really cool. Naked women, hair streaming behind them, okay, uh, rode astride again, the it, shaggy backs of goats. Wait, is, is, this, is this your fanfic for bellydancing.com? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is like a... <laughs> interpretation in in a book called star trek eight mm. star trek eight that's a very generic title speaking of I know. Things. star trek the piglet files uh so okay let's let's we're almost done we're almost done here we're the pain is almost over so spock says ray jack is in the computer his goal is to terrify the entire crew and then feed off of us to get and sustenance. Then, you know what? We need another twist. Make it stupid again. <laughs> and then it's going to destroy the ship. So Kirk and Spock. Well, first of all, they tell McCoy to pump like happy gas throughout the ship's ventilation system. No, so nobody... not shots. Uh, yeah, it's it, shots. Individually shot everybody. Oh, Everyone's okay. getting super high, especially George Decay. Okay. Oh yeah, he comes back. This is one of the good things. Mm -hmm. Um is that one Sulu's like working and the computer gets all sassy and he just goes, "Well, I've never heard a malfunction threaten us before. This is new." <laughs> and then uh he does he gets really high and it's hilarious. But do you guys notice a pattern that like whenever Star Trek the original series needs someone to act high, George Decay is like the go-to guy. He was featured right. prominently in the drunk episode. That's true. Um, I think he yep. was in the um, space jizz episode, right? And I think he got mm -hmm. he got jizzed on and was really happy about it. He did. Um, he he got didn't he get shot up? Oh yeah, with um, cortisone when um, Bones accidentally needle sticks himself. The injury that precipitates that is uh sulu being hurt and they shoot him up and he's like oh man i feel better now so anyway i don't know if this is in george decay's wheelhouse i think yeah, it's because he has a lot of range yeah i think it's because he's pure joy george yeah. decay is just like the human equivalent of sunshine and well, 
that's what he's good at portraying is just pure blitz. And I and I just want to add, I want to set up that the reason that they are uh, giving everybody this shot is because they don't want the crew to get terrified. So they, they're, mm-hmm. they're drugging. Yeah, them. they want to starve the creature. No, I I had not noticed that pattern before, but you're right, and I can't decide if I like like. <laughs> You're right that George Takei is delightful and he's good at it, but I'm also kind of like, you know, Sulu could be tough on an away mission too. Well, he knows how to he knows how to swing a sword. I'll tell you that. Okay, the only other good thing that happened in this episode is that whenever the Jack the Ripper character is being like, "I'll suck your blood," <laughs> death, death, Spock is just like this motherfucker. Like he looks so irritated it's like he went to pick up his dry cleaning and they can't find it it's so funny he's so bitchily annoyed the the voice is ray jack is like speaking in this disjointed creepy tone through the speaker system throughout the ship you're all going to die horribly and then it like laughs manically and then i'll cut off all your oxygen and suffocate you so it's it's just being (laughs) uh i want to talk about something real quick my biggest, I only highlighted one thing in my entire notes, and that was what's with the donkey dick elevator handles? <laughs> what? You haven't seen those before? No, I haven't noticed them before. Yeah, they always like hold onto them and twist them when they yeah, need to go it's, somewhere. It's, a, yeah. it's literally like a, a, it's a very phallic thing that drapes out of the elevator wall. You gl- grab onto it, much like you would if you were like milking a donkey for their sperm. And then you yeah. twist it and turn it to go to where you want to go. Jeez, I, you've thought you've thought more about this than I have about belly dancers, Corey. I was well, I was just Ooh. thinking with all. What of, were like, you on uh, bigknockers.com? <laughs> well, I was just thinking like with the undertones on this episode about females being uh, scary. I mm-hmm. guess that this was like this was their safety handle. They grabbed, yeah. and I'm doing this in my room right now. I'm holding nothing, but I'm doing this motion. Mm. I just want to say, I'm glad you brought the um, elevator. What are they called in Star Trek? <laughs> they're called um, uh, turbo lift. I don't know if they call them turbo you. lifts now, but anyway, I like to, they're like free fall. And then they don't really, they're not scared or they don't do any. They're just like, Hmm. And they're like, put it on manual. Oh, okay. And then that's done. Guys. It's uh, the worst episode. I have three more sentences left in my notes. And I want to read each one. But after each one, we can talk about it. But it's uh, they, they all start the same way with then in capital letters. So here's the first one. So Ray Jack is, is terrorizing the ship. And they don't know what to do. And the episode's almost over. So then... Spock tells the computer to compute pi to the last digit out of nowhere. Which he calls, we all know that pi is a transcendental figure. Mm -hmm. Also, we all know that ghosts hate math. That's true. As a ghost, I can tell you, we all hate math. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ray Jack screams, no, because he's tied (laughs) to the computer and he's forced to eject out of the computer because he's being forced to compute pi. That's how they decided they were going to basically kill the villain. Then with math, I mean, ghosts really hate math. It's hard for you to understand if you aren't one of us, but it's true. Oh, I forgot you were a ghost. Yeah. Canonically. Now I'm a ghost. They go back to the briefing room because Jack the Ripper is now in his old body. First he's in Yaris. We haven't talked to Yaris for a while, but he's, temporarily he's there he's like my wife got murdered but i'm still chill as fuck uh so cool ice cold uh what's the news hingus so he's back in hingus's body uh he he like grabs a knife to threaten people but some someone injects him with the happy fluid and he's all silly kill kill (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna kill you all Yeah, that's exactly then, what it sounds like. He's already having a great time, and now he's having an even better time. The final thing they do is they pick him up Oh, this into is dark. Space. This is really dark. Yeah, my girlfriend was watching this with me, and she's like, well, oh, my God, are they going to? They pick yep. him up, and they put him on uh, the, the transporter, and they just transport him into space so he can float for so they, eternity, powerless. They disperse his pieces in very far places. 
Yeah, he's he's freaking like atomized and like spread across the universe, unable yeah. to move or do anything. Yeah, dark. So was Hingus like I I thought that was hilarious too because I'm like, did they just kill that guy? Like, <laughs> he was Hingus. Is he uh, okay? So is he being possessed by yeah, Jack yeah. the Ripper? That's what I got. He was a man. Yeah, and so they killed the guy. But Corey said that he already died. He was dead already. So maybe he was just being like a meat puppet. Yeah. And so he, they didn't kill him, no. but they did well, they scatter tra- his body. But they, they trapped him in Hingus, and then they put Hingus out in space. So Kirk did kill Hingus, though. Did he kill Hingus? He punched him in the face. I don't think that killed him. that's when he died, I thought, right? I thought he was dead because he was being possessed by Jack the Ripper. And when Kirk punched him... He, he knew went the jig out. was up, so he left yeah. the body. Mm. But the body was already dead. But Ew. I do, my headcanon is that he was still alive. <laughs> he was still Hingus? <laughs> yeah, he was still alive and still Hingus when they put him in the transporter. transporter, And they just iced Hingus. And were just like, well, <laughs> can't win them all. <laughs> that's, that's what I thought happened. <laughs> <laughs> The closer on this episode is everything's back to normal. Uh, well, except everyone's high as fuck. Everyone's a little silly, except yeah. for Smock and Kirk. And and this- then the Kirk's like, "Let's go see where the women do." You know, ooh. <laughs> Let's go back to that one place at the beginning of the episode that we were talking about. No, 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 guys, that's not what happens. Yeah. This is what happens. This is okay. Kirk goes over to Spock and he's like, "Hey, Spock." Anyway, I'm going to go down to the planet and relax. You should come with me. I know a cafe where the women are so... Mm, never mind. And then the episode ends. <laughs> Unpacking that, women have been nothing but trouble, and he decides, eh, you know what? I'm going to go to my quarters and read a book because dames. No, women... that's not what happens. He goes, and then uh, spot or... Bones and I think just Bones and Scotty are there and they're like high off their ass and they're giggling and they're like, can we come? And then he's like, no, I guess not. And then he's like, gentlemen. Uh, and then he just leaves, I assume, to go down to the weird cafe alone. No, he's <laughs> so you're right. Those two are really high. And he's like, you guys are too high to go to a cafe. You're not going to behave right. And he's like, Spock, do you want to go down? And Spock is giving him that like robot look. He's like, Spock, you wouldn't enjoy it. And Kirk's like, I can't go by myself. So I'm yeah, just going to go. It'd be weird to get boners at an intergalactic strip club by myself instead of with my friends. Yes. What? I'm going to go read all, a book. We all got something different out of the end. And that's what <laughs> art really is. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, I love this episode. This episode was so great, but there's only one thing that doesn't make sense to me. Not any of it. None of it makes any sense. It's so bad. It is so bad. Clint, so, I I feel like you're saying this specifically to make Corey and I angry. I know. I just have a well, question for you. Uh, going going back to the, my review. Yeah. Oh my god. Just going back to the titular line because they're you know breaking down this mystery and. Spock says, wow, Argolis 2 is just would be a great planet for this killer entity to hang out and kill people and eat their fear because this planet is so peaceful that he would be like a wolf in the fold and he would just have so much fear to eat. But I would think a planet with no murder, right? This is what this planet is. There's no murder on this planet. They don't even need laws because there's so little murder here. Um, wouldn't that be the worst place for like a killer entity to live? Because whenever you murder someone, it's going to be really noticed. What you should do is you should go to a planet with a ton of murder so that you're not going to get noticed. I guess maybe people aren't as afraid I think murdered. it depends on the type of murder. Like, if you were going to poison somebody, this would be the planet to do it because they'd just be like, wow, they got sick. That's super weird. Mm-hmm. But if you were going to stab, then you're right. It might be better on the other planet. But, but what- in talking about it with you, I don't know that he wanted to, he wanted to, like, feed off their fear. 
Yeah. So and they would be more scared than a planet where there's lots of murders. People would just be like, yeah, that doesn't even make the news. Yeah. I just think that because Spock's like, this is the perfect planet for him because everyone would be so scared of getting murdered because they're not used to murder. But I would think this would be the worst planet because you'd get noticed when you murder people. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter because this planet was next up in the queue. I mean, he didn't really have a choice. This is yeah, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> what am I going to do? Turn around? <laughs> Crazy. What am I going to do? Do a 30 degree angle change to another planet? Yeah, That would right? mess up all my plans. No, no Clint. Way. My problem, the thing I didn't understand about this episode, is why did Scotty black out every time an apparent murder happened? They never explain that, do they? No, they do explain no. it. Yeah, it's very quick. I mean, you could blink and he's like, oh, like this type of creature would have to have a hypnotic screen. So the only person that would be aware of their presence is the murder victim. So Super dumb. Yeah, basically it has psychic powers and it would blink out anyone's memories around the victim. Sure. Which is... Yes, dumb. I, I definitely admit hey, it's super dumb. Can can we do our reviews? Because I uh, I'm curious where we all landed on this. Yeah. Um, mm. Well, I went ahead, but I'm gonna say I love this episode. This is a Clint episode all over it. Just madcap fun. Uh, just the complete left turn of you know Jack the Ripper being <laughs> the villain. This is so hilarious. I love Jarus. He was great. I hated Hingus. He was very hateable and I loved hating him. Just, I mean, the only problem with it was that court scene, which is just way too long and slow. Um, everything else, just chef's kiss. Amazing episode. Oh, right. it, everyone in the ship gets high. The ship gets possessed by a murder ghost. So great. Just like the hits keep on coming. Amazing. All right. And so Emily, I feel like we've kind of, know what uh oh i hated it i hated it it was like normally i like the really silly tacky stupid weird ones i just i hated it like the mystery it was like someone said i want you to write this episode with a uh like a mystery component and they're like oh yeah mystery component like you you know what like a murder mystery is, right? And someone's like, yeah. And they don't, they don't at all. They've never read one. They've never heard of it. And they're just like trying to make it up. And then there's like, they're just adding different elements to try and distract. It's like if George Costanza wrote an episode of of Star Trek, like it's just so much weird shit in there trying to disguise the fact that they don't know what they're doing. Like I just, I hated it. I hated it from start to finish. Like, it was so sloppy. It was so messy. It had so many elements. None of them made any sense. The whole time, I just kept being like, what? The what? What? The what? The what? Too much. Too much. Okay. Just too much going on. It was all okay. bad. I hear you both. I am actually... So we got a, a big thumbs up, a big mm. thumbs down. I think I'm going to take the central road here. Not, none of us have talked about the, uh, the, the rampant sexism in our in our reviews see that's how much crap is going on in this episode that like this is a really overtly sexist episode and we didn't even talk about it yeah because there's too much other crap to wade through okay i'm gonna disagree with emily that it's not a good mystery i think it had the elements of uh a a clear patsy i'm sorry a clear what's the word i'm trying to think of someone who did the crime. red herring no yeah. a clear a clear uh, suspect. suspect okay okay so let me say a that culprit again. okay so it has all the elements that you would want in a good mystery you have a clear culprit without much of an alibi you have a series of red herrings and other witnesses and then you have like a court trial scene and then suddenly the entire thing gets flipped on its head and it was someone i wasn't suspecting like i said i was about to write us out of the episode because i didn't think that it was an important character so i I felt like it was a well-written murder mystery i felt also that it was probably the dumbest goddamn written episode that we have (laughs) ever seen before Mm -hmm. Uh, so on that bearing i'm gonna give it a thumb in the middle i would never ever ever watch this episode again because it is like it's just (laughs) too stupid it's it's i didn't enjoy it that much but i don't think that it was boring and that's it. 
I think this, I said, I told my partner that this is down there with Charlie X with how much I hated <laughs> oh, it. Oh, man. Oh, what a blow. I just, it was real bad. Well, I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree. Oh, oh before we go, um, Emily, I have to show you something. I got a new tattoo. Wait, wait. don't leave me. Just, just uh, come over here, Emily, and check out my tattoo in this other room. Oh, what what'd you get a tattoo of? I got it of... Joke's on you. I'm already a ghost. <laughs> and with that note, I think we'll uh, end the episode there. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'd like to thank Kurt, our producer, for putting up with us. Um, and until we see you next time, keep on trucking. Oh, wait. Watch out for ghosts. Can I see your tattoo? Yeah, sure. Ha, ha, she's a ha, yeah.